Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. This is the Lois J. Wetzel Show, and I'm your host and executive producer, Lois Wetzel, coming to you live this morning from 9 a.m. Houston, Texas, Central Time. I want to remind you to register for Blog Talk Radio. It's free, and if you do that, you can rate my show, mark it as a favorite, and let people know that you were here and listening to my show. You can get reminders of upcoming shows. It's all free. My call-in number is 347-945-5309. You can call using the telephone or Skype. You can listen on your phone or your computer. If you're calling in and you want to ask a question, just hit the number 1 and I'll know that you would like to ask a question. I also want to remind you that I offer a free email newsletter about metaphysics spirituality, the coming changes, all the kinds of things we talk about here on this show. I've been sending this newsletter out for about 12 years, and to sign up for that, you would go to my website, hotpinklotus.com. I do not share email addresses with anyone because your privacy is important. Well, good morning, everyone. It is Friday at 9 a.m. Central Time, and the date is October, the I'm sorry, September the 30th, 2011. And today, I've got a pretty interesting show for you. This is a really cool woman. I stumbled across her name in uh, on Amazon.com. She does a whole lot of work with the Akashic Records, and that's one of my major fields as well, but she does it in... Uh, a very different way, and she had a list of books um, that she recommended, and I said, hey, mine's not on there, so <laughs> I got in touch with her and sent a copy of my book, which she's now reading, but we, we got uh, to communicating about the way, excuse me, the ways in which she uses the Akashic Records, which are different than um, ways, and it's sort of an expanded thing. Anyway, um, she sounds like she's going to be really interesting, so we're going to talk with her today and hear about these ways that... She uses the Akashic Records, and um, so now I'm going to call her. I'm going to uh, do that right this minute. It's so cool to be able to call from the um, from the computer like this by keying a number in. It's just magic. Okay. This is Barbara Schiffman. Good morning. This is Barbara. Hey, Barbara Schiffman. It's Lois Wetzel. We're live on the radio. Terrific. Thank you. So I was just telling everybody how I found you, which was via Amazon.com and your list of books, and that I had sent you a copy of mine and you're reading it. So um, what we were going to talk about today is the ways in which I became fascinated when when I looked at your um, uh, meetup groups that you do in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. uh, the ways in which you use the Akashic Records. Great. Where would you like to begin? I'm sorry? Where would you like to begin? Well, you said, let's start with dreams. Okay. um, How do you use that... In working with dreams, for example. Um, I am just starting to work with dreams in the Akashic Records. Uh, I have been working with them primarily as a practitioner and teacher uh, and starting to develop some of my own workshops and ways of working with them as applications of, of using the atmosphere and the environment of the records in a variety of different ways, inspired by my teacher, Linda Howe, who I know you've interviewed before. I think uh, you interviewed her last 
when her new book came out earlier this year, Healing Through the Akashic Records. And in our teacher's training, she encouraged those of us who are her, her teacher students to develop our own applications, our own topics to teach um, related to using the records. And I found my records starting to lead me in different ways that they wanted me to develop things that were mine where I could start not only using them for myself but teaching other people to do the same. And I had done some research on dreams. I've had a little bit of training in that in the past, uh, partly through when I was in certification and training as a hypnotherapist, which is one of my, my tools in my toolbox, and also through some other work uh, independently many, many years ago with someone who taught a very interesting approach to working with dreams, uh, who I've lost touch with, unfortunately. I, I wish I could find her again because I loved her approach, which was having a dialogue with the dream fragment or whatever memory or image we could retain from our dreams to find out what the message was from it because each image contains a message, sometimes not an obvious one, but in medita a meditative state, not unlike what I find um, is the atmosphere so is, working in the is record. Is that, that technique, can I ask you that. a question, Barbara? Is sure. it that technique where you become the object, like if there's a water fountain, you become that and, and tell how the water fountain is feeling? Is it that technique? It, was, it wasn't that specific technique in terms okay. of what, uh, what I learned in that class, but that is one of the techniques that can be used, clearly, because mm -hmm. tuning into those images and finding out what they're representing is certainly a way to work with that. So yeah. I found myself um, doing some research on that, and in fact, I had a radio show uh, on the Internet a few years ago where I interviewed Robert Moss, who's one of the uh, authors and experts in dreams whose work I really like. He's written quite a few wonderful books about dreams. Yeah, and I love him. In, in, he's great. And in in speaking with him and researching that, I connected here in Los Angeles with the Southern California Regional chapter of the International Association for the Study of Dreams, the IASD. And this year I ended up being uh, enlisted to be on the committee for their recent Southern California Regional Conference. And I did not teach about using dreams in the Akashic Records, but my, my fellow committee members, all of whom are psychotherapists and really into using dreams as a primary aspect of their work started encouraging me to look into doing that and I checked in with my records and they said oh yes you're part of this because we want you to start working with dreams in the records so I'm just starting to do that now and we'll be having a a uh, workshop and some other tools possibly even something on um, CD or MP3 that people can purchase to if they're already working with the Akashic Records to have some additional tools to work with dreams by taking their dream fragments into their records and with guidance from their records, finding out more about it. It's a little different angle than you know, what you just described, which is another great tool or the, the tool that, that I was trained in um, years ago, which was actually going into a meditative state, not unlike working in the records, and having a dialogue with that image. So all of those tools are very useful, and that's how I'm starting to work with, with dreams and the records. And I'll keep you posted as that develops, because right now that's my, my newest application of them. I've been more active in using them for writing this, the past uh, year and a half, which has been really remarkable. And I think which has led me to look at you know, how to use them in other ways, because Sometimes people think we just work with the records to get guidance on our life purpose. That seems to be one of the main things people are looking for guidance on. And I think in, yeah. your, in your book and your work, you find that to be the case too, right? I find that a lot. People want to know what they're supposed to be doing on the planet. Right. And, and, and for me, the records keep saying it's not a job description. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a way of being. It's not a job description that if you went and Thank did this you. thing... You know, everything would be okay for the rest of your life. That's not how it goes. And 
that takes people a little time to get in sync with, doesn't it? But yeah. it's not a job description. <laughs> no. As, it, yeah. as, as, as Linda Howe recently said, um, she was here in L.A. a few weeks ago doing a wonderful weekend workshop based on her, her newest book. Um, it's not. It's a process. It's not an event. And I really like that way of thinking about it because most people think, oh, you go in the, the records and it's an event and you get a piece of information that's going to make everything okay. And and I really have found it's a process, and the shifts that come from that relationship and that process lead each of us to be doing and <clears throat> working with. <clears throat> excuse me, I had a little bit of a cold this week, and I'm just waking up still, so my body is kind of getting awake here. Um, uh, you know, to be doing and 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 being our soul while we're in a human form here. And sometimes, you know, what we what our purpose is, is not about what we're doing. It's more about how we're being or how we're becoming. And the doing part can go many different ways and still have that same result. And, and that's something I've gotten much clearer on in working with the records, even beyond all the dozens of other things I've been trained in and, and found very transformational for me. This really has put a a whole new container around all of those other methodologies and and uh, philosophies and spiritual practices and really put a a way of looking at them all in in a higher from a higher perspective and from that soul perspective that's made everything a lot, feel a lot easier like there's nothing that has to be fixed and that everything really is okay and that's not an easy one for those of us, especially in in our very active, um, uh, you know, left-brained American yes. culture to to deal with. We want to do something about it instead of just know everything is already okay, even if there's challenges. Everything is already okay, and knowing about things in the records and such as your past life readings helps heal where you are but it is an ongoing process and you yes. are okay wherever you are absolutely and, and in and the moment me, you're... yeah past life work and i'm really glad that, that that's been an avenue for you i've been um i got to not read everything but look through your book uh in the last few days and and my favorite chapter actually was the last one the the one where you highlighted some of the things you learned from all the readings you've done, even more than the, the specifics of the readings themselves, because in many cases those were more, at, at least it you know, was my uh, take on it, was more particular to the person whose reading it was. But what you learned from that and all the different places people have, have existed on the planet and the different eras and challenges and things that have evolved humanity as a whole, was to me that was my favorite part of it because we're now um, at that point of convergence of everything we've experienced in this lifetime, you know, as of today, this moment, certainly, and all our previous lifetimes. And collectively, they're all interrelated. All lifetimes. Let oh, me yeah. tell you one thing that people, the feedback I'm getting from people who give me feedback is I, again and again and again, and it came as a total shock to me to the first time I heard this, as I read other people's past lives, they tell me, I have experience a healing myself. Mm. In other words, if it's a similar experience, like group therapy, you can listen to somebody else's story and get a healing yourself in group therapy. Oh, it's the same kind of absolutely. thing. Absolutely. Now that's and, and that's a great value that your particular book has. The only other book I've seen that has, um, or actually there's, there's two that come to mind, that have some of that quality are the um, one by Kevin Todeshi on Edgar Casey and the Akashic Records, where he includes a lot of the pieces of readings that that uh, Edgar Casey did from the Akashic Records, and includes you know some past life readings as well as some health readings, and that has excerpts from those. And then um, I forget the author's name. I'm not at my computer right now to look it up. But there's a book called Destiny of Souls. Oh yeah, I know who that is. That's Michael Newton. Michael, I Newton love those and, books. Yes, and and I was, Journey of I was, Souls and Destiny of Souls. 
Yeah. Yes, and I started with Destiny of Souls because someone who who had contacted me about doing a reading for them had mentioned they'd read it. And it has a really nice section on the Akashic Records and even a description from one of the one of the, his clients of, of what they look like, at least to that person, like this big library. And I love, and there's a drawing of that description, which is really quite fun to see. And you know, some of those, and those those are those are two other resources that I find have some of that information. But yours really goes into so much depth because you've recorded so much of the readings, and sharing that is is really valuable. So. Thank you for adding another book to the list. Well, thank you for saying that. I appreciate it. You're very kind. So tell me, this is the thing that I'm really the most interested in of the stuff mm-hmm. that you're doing is writing. How do you use the Akashic Records to get um, to to do writing? Well, here's here's how it started for me, and. You know, at, at the time it would just kind of happen. But as I've talked about it and, and developed, actually, another workshop uh, for creativity, which the the records told me to call the Akashic Muse, collaborating with your records for writing and other creative endeavors, since it's not just for writing; it's also for any kind of creative work. Is how they they led me to put some processes and and things together to be able to do it as a workshop for people, which I've led here in L.A. so far, and I'm looking forward to doing that elsewhere. And I've always been a writer. I've been a script consultant out in here in L.A. for over 30 years, reading wow. for and, and doing consulting for uh, independent writers and directors and producers, as well as major, major producers, cable networks, uh TV and film production companies and even some very well-known uh, talent out here in L.A. That's been my my main work over the last 30 years until I found myself segueing into career coaching for people in the entertainment industry about 15 years ago, and then from that into life coaching, and then from that into what I now call life and soul coaching, because as as I have always thought of it, which is why the working with the records when that fell into place for me more dramatically a couple of years ago than it had before made so much sense, is that this life is one chapter in the book of our soul. I've always felt that way. So looking at this life as one chapter and the soul's journey being the whole book fit right in. And mm-hmm. When I was drawn to start working with the records, I actually got trained in a different process than the one I use now about six or seven years ago, and it uses a vi- it used a vibrational prayer, but a different prayer than Linda Howe's pathway prayer process. And it I kind of slept through the class, I found. Whenever we went to open the records, I would kind of go into a you know, sleep state, so I wouldn't really remember anything that I got and I kind of thought at the end of the weekend this is very nice but I don't know it doesn't quite click for me I'm going to put it off to the side and then over the years I've gotten trained in hypnotherapy and guided imagery work and a wide variety of of healing and spiritual practices and then two years ago I was sitting at my computer and into my head popped a thought I very specifically remember the experience that said Look into the Akashic Records again. It's time. Find a new teacher. Okay. And I had seen that there were, you know, one or two people over the years since I had taken that other class, which was taught by someone who did not live in L.A. So she had come here and taught, and it wasn't like she was available here at at this time. And I thought, okay, I'll look into it again. That rings a bell. Every two years I seem to add a new tool to my toolbox. This is the next one. And literally within at most 36 hours, I got an email from Linda House Publisher, Sounds True, because I was on their email list for discounts and special offers, that her book was on sale. I had not heard of her book. I had not heard of her before, but it was like, okay, here's a sign. So I, of course, bought the book, went on her website, um, found out that she was 
going to be leading a year-long advanced practitioner and teacher's training course in 2010. And for anyone who was interested in that, to email her, which I did. I tend to step now into the teacher's training for things I'm interested in because I get all the basics along the way, even if I never teach it. But since I'm wired up to be a teacher, that's been part of my path over many lifetimes, and I've now accepted that that's the case because I learn through the process of teaching, and I evolve through the process of teaching. I just checked that out, and when she contacted me, I decided this was the right thing for me, committed to it, and started being in her teacher's training class of 20 people last year. Last year, I also was writing, co-writing a book with a friend of mine that we'd been talking about for a whole year and doing nothing about. And it's still in progress, although we are moving forward in a couple of different ways with it, and, and, um, and I'm having the records help with all of this. But uh, she and I entered the book concept in a contest called the Next Top Spiritual Author Contest, which was online last year and for which the prize was a publishing deal with a major metaphysical, spiritual, personal development books publisher who was very well known and very good. So we thought, we don't know if we're going to win, but it'll get us to write our book proposal at least and get us further than we are. So we entered the contest, which was like American Idol for Authors is how it felt. Oh. There were different stages along the way, and at each stage – you know, all the authors, and there were almost 3,000 authors or author teams like us submitting their book concepts. And these were books that were, for the most part, not yet written. So it started in February of, of February or March of 2010. So I was in my teacher's training at the time and working very actively with the records. And when we got to the part where we had to submit our book proposal and book chapter, I got writer's block. And I'm a very prolific writer. I write lots of articles. I've been published in lots of magazines. I have chapters in five anthologies. I have an e-book, in fact, that's coming out in the next week or so based on one of my life balance coaching programs um, called Living in Balance for, for Boomers, and it's being published in a uh, an e-book publishing uh, series for baby boomers, so I don't have trouble writing, but I was in a contest, and this chapter had to be perfect, and we had like two weeks to get the chapter written and submitted for anybody who wanted to, to read it online, so this was not just for a couple of people to read, this was for anybody uh, who went on the web to read, and in fact, we had to enlist our support from the people who knew us, who would you know, be supportive of, of wanting to buy this book, all of these things. I got writer's block. So I had this thought. Again, these thoughts pop into my head, and I trust that they are from the records, which work with me even when they're not officially open now because that relationship has developed. It's, it's like any relationship. When you first start out, you know, you're getting to know someone, but then after a while it becomes more continual and constant since it's our sole information flowing through us anyway. It's not external. It's not external angels and spirit guides and ascended masters like a lot of people I know like to work with, which have their place and are incredibly valuable for guidance. But it's that sole part of us that's our individual drop of that whole soul pool is how I like to think of it, or our, in, our individual thread of the whole tapestry that's expressing through us. And so I get these messages now, even when my records are artificially open, and pay attention to them better than I used to. And I got the message to open my records and write and see what came, which is exactly what I did. And the chapter that I ended up writing, which was the first chapter out of three that we had to submit, was you know, contained a lot of the content I was already thinking about, but it was better and went in a few directions with some of the material and included some things I had not been thinking of before. So I started learning that this is the place, you know, which makes sense to me because it's always been the case. This is the place where writers and creative people write and create from anyway. It is that collective consciousness 
We're all feeding into it all the time through everything we think, say, do, and feel, and it is continually evolving. And it's evolving through our creativity and our experiences, not just, you know, with not just with information about past lives. It's much more multifaceted than than some people may think about, but it's the place where our creativity is evolving and 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 available to us and we're tuning into it all the time to bring that into form. So it wasn't like I was going into anything that I was unfamiliar. It was just more accessible, more helpful, and more of a collaborator with me is what it feels like when I write with my records open, which I now do for almost everything I write that's significant. For articles, I write a weekly blog, in fact, um, at createyourhealth.com. I write the Akashic Soul Journey blog, and I also write I'm starting to write more ebooks and all of these things I now use the records to help me write. They are my collaborator, my records, that creative your record I have to the collective consciousness, right? Right. So you open your records. I open my records. Right. Got um, it. And that's what I know, that's what I was kind of trying to figure out what you were doing. Yeah. You were opening your records. Okay. Got well, it. Who, who else's records would I open? <laughs> You know, well, I'm opening my I'm opening my pipeline. I'm stretching my pipeline as I think about it, so that it can come more easily through me. Because mm-hmm. in opening the records, for me, it's like stretching the pipeline. That's really the big image they keep giving me as as a, a reader for other people and a teacher for people. I'm helping people stretch the pipeline because the the energy is already flowing, but it's like we're sometimes squeezing the hose so that the energy backs up on one side of our hand and when we relax it and we can stretch it open a little bit more, it flows more easily, right? Right. I was thinking you could open the records generally, but uh, you're you're going through yours specifically and maybe we don't have a right to open them generally speaking. I don't open them generally. Again, I use the approach that I've learned from Linda Howe. And for me, uh-huh. it's really effective. And having taken a different training with a different prayer before and then worked with the pathway prayer process the way Linda has taught it, it's the tool for me. And yeah. each of us has different tools that that work with us to connect with the records and also considering, or at least this is how I think of it, that the records are like a big library with lots of rooms. So... There are multiple ways to access the records. It's not a one-size-fits-all, and you know that that if one person does it one way and the other person can't do that that way, there's something wrong with the second person. Not at all. It's finding the way that works for them because we're each tuning into our own soul level energy and be and looking at life and being able to access the soul's point of view while also being in a human body. I don't go into a trance. I go into what feels like a stereo mode where I'm kind of in the right brain alpha state and the left brain beta state at the same time where I can either be writing while the records are open or if I'm doing a reading with someone, having a conversation with them that looks like a coaching conversation. And it's not a lecture. It's a conversation for me because that's how the energy flows is on the conversation, on the words, on the, the the dialogue. And that's how I was taught and that that's how this tool works well for me, so it's a good tool for me. Other mm-hmm. people tend to access the records through meditation. I know there are a lot of guided meditations written in books and on people's CDs about going into a library and opening your book, and for some people, those work great. Those are perfect tools for them. I know you have your own way of accessing them that that came to you, correct? That's your Yeah, but now as you're describing what you do when you write, when I was rewriting those transcribed past lives in my book, I started mm-hmm. getting, I'm sitting in front of the computer, uh, and I'm getting more information than I got the first time around, so the Akashic records are open, clearly. 
have you opened them officially or did they not officially you know, just because one of those I cases mean, of more is coming through without them being open officially because I've also found that when depends I on what you mean by officially. I mean the way I do it, they're well. Okay. I, I don't think I have a way of opening them officially, except okay. there is a technique I use for individuals when I'm reading with their permission their past lives. But okay. I think I connect into it somehow just by, okay, let me describe what's happening. When when I'm doing that, it's the same thing that happened when I was painting. I have an MFA in painting. That was mm-hmm. my first academic training. And I used to say then that I was collecting, this is in the late 60s, early 70s when I was doing this, these you know degrees in painting. And I would say, oh, I'm, collect, I'm connecting to the collective unconscious because that was the only terminology I had, which is from Jungian psychology, as you well yes, know. Yes, and, and, and you were. <laughs> so that was actually And how different is the collective unconscious from the Akashic records. I mean, we it's all get the in... same. They're, it's all just different labels. We have lots of yeah. labels for the Akashic records these days. We have, you know, Irvin Laszlo, who's written quite a few excellent but very scientific books about the Akashic field, which describes it. It doesn't give tools to utilize it or to yeah. into it, but it describes yeah. it. it talk, we talk about the unified field. We talk about the A field. We talk about the matrix. We talk about the collective consciousness. We talk about all these things. It's all the same stuff to me. Thank you. And the <laughs> Akashic records, the Akashic, yes, yeah, and, 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 and I know you, you think this from, from having read your book and from, from having a sense of how you approach this. And it's all the same stuff. It's just different labels. So it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm special because I can access the Akashic records and you can't. Anybody can access the Akashic Records now. It has evolved since Edgar Casey was doing it because the collective consciousness, and it's not unconscious, it's a consciousness, has evolved. Because and we have evolved in the last since Edgar Casey. Years, pardon me? We have evolved since Edgar Casey's time. Exactly. And, we, and how many millions of people have said, how many more lifetimes of experience into this collective consciousness in the last hundred years? He started working. He started going into trance in hypnosis. I saw recently saw a really good documentary about him um, in 1910, and he worked into the wow. 1940s. Yeah, and he but he would have to go into a trance where he would be in that deeper state, so he would be at an unconscious level and not remember what he was saying or aware of it at the time he was in that trance, so other people would have to transcribe what he said. And when he was asked by his hypnotist where he was getting the medical intuitive information he was getting for himself, and then ultimately the hypnotist had him start to check in for his other patients because Edgar was so accurate about what was helpful to cure his laryngitis. He had lost his voice. And could not talk and tried everything, and there was no medical reason for it. So they hypnotized him to see if he could talk while he was in hypnosis, and he could. And the the suggestions that he brought forth of what could help his physical body get restored to the state where his larynx could speak again proved successful. So his voice came back, and that's how the, all that got started. And when his hypnotist asked him, where are you getting this information? And he said, the Akashic Records. That's what created that label and popularized it. The Akashic Records have been talked about in all the major religions as the Book of Life or God's Book. So we have this human book metaphor, which leads us to the library metaphor, that if we each are a book, if each of our souls' collective journeys is a book, then they must all be in a library somewhere, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, they're each on the shelf. Mm-hmm. And I have some friends who are Akashic Records uh, practitioners and teachers who actually, when they go into their own records or the records of clients, they get a book and they open the book and they read what's on the page. I don't get it that way. I, you know, I'm kind of a little jealous because that sounds pretty cool. But I do get a lot of visuals and auditory and kinesthetic experience, which not everybody does, and I learned this. Mm-hmm from Linda Howe, who doesn't get as much of that as I do, surprisingly. And I consider her the expert on this. 
and but she gets a knowing. And mm-hmm. she says 75% of the people get a knowing. About 25% of the people get these other um, auditory or visual or kinesthetic experiences. And for me, I see a big library. It's, it's, it's actually a beautiful cathedral-like kind of library with rows and rows of books. But I don't go into the books. I kind of sit in this lovely center rotunda with, you know, light coming in from big, you know, four-story windows on each side and, you know, and, and interface with my Akashic team, which is, again, part of the pathway prayer process and, and works well for me is interfacing with the team that I work with, which is my personal um, liaison to the records. They, they are the kind of my, in, my personal intermediary. They don't work with anybody else. They're just working with me. And it includes also some of the people or souls in my soul group who are between lifetimes. So there's a whole process to that that works very well for me. But it's, it, I'm kind of in a big library, but I don't get to read a book. They just don't bring me books, and I don't worry about it because it works fine without that. But we all are tuning into this and, and in different ways. And some people do it through remote viewing and astral projection. Some people do it through other kinds of shamanic rituals. For me, having a, a tool that is reliable and consistent has been the most valuable, and that's where Linda Howe's process has worked well for me and works well for the people it works well for. Mm-hmm. Because I can open my records with the pathway prayer, which is brief, and I don't know how or why it works, but every time I read it, my whole body starts tingling, and I can feel myself opening my awareness and going into a higher state while I'm perfectly awake and aware. I'm not channeling an outside entity. I'm not going out of my body. I'm just opening up in that awareness deliberately and consistently in a bigger way so I can call on it reliably. And that's different than when I'm getting messages when the records aren't open because what comes through when that space, when that environment is available, is a higher and deeper perspective. So there, you know, there's a lot of different times that accessing the records is possible, whether they're officially opened or not. But for me, when they're officially opened, it goes deeper and wider and you know, is more available and in a, a, a higher perspective way than when they're not officially opened and I still get messages or information or insights that I know are connected to the records because that's just my shorthand for talking about my soul, my soul-level energy. And again, it's all shorthand so that we can at a human level grasp these concepts in a way that makes sense to us because otherwise it's like air or electricity we breathe it, you know, in, in terms of air, but we can't see it. But if it goes out of the, you know, if we're in an enclosed room and we lose all the air, we know when we're, we don't have any air left. Same with electricity. We know when the lights are on or off, but we can't see it moving through the wires. And God, that's the, good. The Akashic that's... energy is similar. It's, it's an invisible wavelength, but we know when we're tuning into it. And it's always there, and more people are being called to tune into it directly instead of having to go through other people because it's not only the the arena of a few special people. It's that part of us that's our collective soul. And this is part of the big shift I believe is happening. And, in fact, um, using the records to write something else other than the book chapters you know that we entered in our in the contest. I ended up uh, writing a chapter last late, later last year for a book on 2012 called 2012: Creating Your Own Shift from the point of view of the Akashic Records. I actually opened the records of the year 2012 and asked them what they wanted people to know, and I wrote down verbatim, and I have it in quotes in the book because it's what the records told me. It's not what I what I made up, I don't take author credit for it, of what they said is happening. So I actually got to collaborate with them that way and give the records credit for what 
came through me uh, to share with other people in this chapter on 2012 and beyond through the eyes of the Akashic Records. And I was reading it again this morning, and every time I read it, this book came out in March, I wrote the chapter a year ago, October of last year, but every time I've read it since then, it gives me chills. And there is something just profound about it, and I don't feel that I wrote it. I feel that I transcribed it. So that was another way of working with the records as a collaborator, but this was opening the records of the year 2012 and asking them to share what they wanted people to know. Can you summarize what they wanted people to know? Because I've got people emailing me and talking to me on Facebook, and they're <laughs> freaking out. Because okay. they think it's the October 2011 that all this bad stuff's going to happen. No, no, I mean, no, no. Not at all. And, okay. and interestingly enough, I learned that you could open the records of time, of years, from Linda Howe, because she does that every year with, uh, with her practitioners, usually at the end of the year or the beginning of, of the year. She has a tele-seminar, tele-call, where she leads a guided meditation with us to open the records of the coming year and see what theme they want us to know about and see what they want us to know for ourselves. And so I've done this for a couple of years now, and it's really fascinating. And uh, we did this in, in 2009 for the year 2010, and... At that time, I'm going to read you what I wrote here, that um, the records of 2009 in relation to 2010 said it's time for each human on earth to take responsibility for their personal vibrations as well as those of everyone and everything connected to them. And here's what they said verbatim because I wrote this down. Learning this and accepting it and taking it seriously for the whole planet and human beings was 2010's energetic focus. Um, and you know, we've got uh, 10 minutes left, and there are people going to be sitting on the edge of their chairs hoping that you're going to get to 2012 before we're well, done. I will. Okay, this, good. <laughs> this takes it even further that what's happening is that we are creating the energy now in 2011, ah. and nothing is written in stone, that what we are doing is we are creating a new equilibrium and maintaining balance between the natural world and the new yet necessary global connectivity. Um, here's what it says. Via electronic pathways and airborne wavelengths, which is essential to prevent the earth and humanity from imploding. And, but we can't wait till 2012 for people to take responsibility for the impact of their thoughts, emotions, behaviors, and mental projections on everything on earth. Because if people believe something bad is going to happen, it's not that it's predicted that it will and they have no control. It's that their thoughts that it will collectively can solidify strongly enough that that's what gets mirrored back. And we don't want that. That's so I keep that trying we to tell are now people. creating a critical mass to keep the yeah. balance between peace and fear. That's really the balance that we are working on, between peace and fear. And I know The Course in Miracles talks about love and fear. And, mm -hmm. and for me, when the records talk about peace, they include love in that. But peace is yeah. even bigger than love. And we're holding that balance now. And if we can maintain that balance through our thoughts, feelings, actions, um, you know, everything we think, say, do, and feel, then what can be reflected back when this calendar shift happens? Because, you know, the calendar is not about the world ending. It's not about earth disasters. It's not about black holes or sunspots or anything. It's about an energy shift, and it's a collective internal shift. And this is more what the records in this particular chapter were talking about. Um, and it says, this critical mass can bring everyone into a new alignment if it can be generated in time. And we're working on it now. So the humans will begin living from the perspective of soul rather than body by realizing there's more to life than what is experienced in one lifetime. This will shift humanity's focus to treating the earth as the mother of all tangible creation by making everyone seed planters and nurturers for future generations. 
So this is what the records are envisioning. And, but we are in charge of whether we go into fear or whether we stay in a state of peace and connectedness and start to see that we are all in this together. And, that there, and I think that the shift from singular lifetime thinking to multiple lifetime thinking can make mm-hmm. a big difference. And, and yeah. I would think from your work you can see that too. But yeah. if people were to have that sense, whether they believe it or not, whether it makes sense to them or not, that this is not their only lifetime and that they've been other colors, other genders, other experiences over centuries and centuries, we'd all start to deal with each other differently. Yeah, exactly. So you can't then, given what you just said, it's not possible right this minute to look into the Cajun uh, records for 2012 and see what we finally did. <laughs> No, um, my experience <laughs> bad, and understanding huh? of the records is that the future we can check in on are all possibilities. None of it yeah. is written in stone. It's yeah. like in the Adjustment Bureau. I love the movie The Adjustment Bureau. Yeah, if I did too. you remember that, they have their little maps. Oh. One little change changes yep. everything. That's right. So that's what we're, and that's why it's so important for people to be you know whether they're working with the records actively or not it doesn't matter because this is all important for us to work on in our daily lives in our everyday relationships but not just in what we do or what we say but also how we feel and think and feeling is the most important feeling feeds into the records the most if we are scared of what mm-hmm. might maybe happen because somebody who thinks that they like the doom and gloom scenario says it's going to happen when it hasn't happened yet and yeah. we believe that it will, that will add more energy to the possibility that it could. But none of it's written in stone. Yeah. And the, and the Mayan calendar is just bringing everybody's attention to the fact that there is a consciousness shift going on. This is also what was the record said to me in, that I put in the chapter and in, in how they said it. Um, and so this is not verbatim. But it's merely giving the indigenous people the microphone so we can start to see how we're out of balance with the earth. We've got all this great technology, but we are not using it in balance with the natural world. And that's where we are working to come back to, is to have both in balance. So their request is for us to help that happen. I like that idea. Yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know, I, it's so hard for me not to get frustrated with people who, and this has been happening recently, who send me uh, terrifying emails and terrifying videos and saying, oh, please watch this and tell me not to be scared. And I'm going, why would you want to dump fear in my lap and, you know, want me to watch that? It scared you. Why wouldn't it scare me? Well, part you of know? it is that they don't realize that their fear is feeding the fear. So I know. And also, anybody, you know, this is the dilemma of the Internet. I've worked, I've, I've dealt with the Internet and computers longer than anyone I know. I started working with them in the 1970s um, here in Hollywood. I had the first computerized script service in, in Hollywood at that time. Wow. And, um, you know, and, and they're fabulous tools. But the Internet has, you know, it's, it's, it's pushed the pendulum way far, too far to the technology side. We have access to all this information 24-7, but we're living on machine time. We are not machines. And also, anybody can write or make a video or do anything and put it out on the web, and everybody else treats it as if it's true. Yeah. That doesn't necessarily make it true. But if we feel that it's true, and I learned this in hypnotherapy training, whatever we feel, whatever our subconscious feels, our body makes real. So if we are in fear, that's what creates cancer, that's what creates stress, that's what creates illness, and that comes from emotion. And it's like the emotion first, then feeds the physical result. So any, you know, and our thoughts create the emotion, our emotions create the tangible. And if we can move into peace and seeing that no matter what's happening, from the Akashic Records point of view, it is all in divine order. Not that there are can't or shouldn't be what we would consider tragedies and bad things happening. But as, as Linda Howe talks about, and this is one of the reasons I love her work and I love her as a mentor and teacher, there is good in everything, even the tragedies. Yeah. And, and we have to look for it from the soul's point of view 
to be able to see it. So for, for what I've learned from her is to open the records and ask, what's the good in this? And allow that to be seen because it puts a whole different spin on things even if what's happened looks tragic. And that makes all the difference emotionally. <coughs> so, so for part of this, it's, you know, yeah, all this, you know, stuff's happening in the world. It always has. It always will. It's how we feel about it that then makes the difference. And if we can see the good, even in the scary and the tragedy, then we get to amplify and solidify and support the good. And then that becomes what transforms everything and what leads the way. And the things that people are afraid might happen don't have to happen because it's all a mirror back to us of our own energy. And the records are the place where it's all being recorded. So the more fear that goes into the records, guess what we get back? More things to fear. And we're really in control and in charge through our free will and through our energetic abilities, and people don't take that seriously yet. I think that's changing. So that's, that's what I've gotten from the records about all of this. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> is there anything else that you want to tell people like um, – well, first of all, let's repeat. We've got about six minutes left, it looks like. Okay. Let's repeat uh, how people can get in touch with you. Uh, you know, you're in Los Angeles, eight minutes, actually. Um, how do people get in touch with you? What's your? Give us a couple of your websites that would be the best place to start. Okay. My website is yourlifeandsoul.com, all spelled out, yourlifeandsoul.com. They can email me at barbara at yourlifeandsoul.com um, and you know if they would like to set up a, a you know brief phone time with me you know if people would like readings I often like to talk to them beforehand to make sure that you know what they're looking for is something that fits with what I can provide so I'm happy to call people back as long as it's um, you know in the United States or or in a way that's not costly for me to do that so they can email me with uh, you know, their info and where and when I can call them, and I'll be happy to do that. Um, I also have um, uh, links on that website to some of my other projects, one of which is The Exhilaration Effect. That's the book that I have been writing with the records as collaborator. And the, the, um, that also has its own website, exhilarationeffect.com. And the subtitle of that is Building the Courage to Take Your Leap of Faith. It's about, you know, doing what we don't think we can to build courage and expand not only our life but grow our soul. Because by doing those things we, that are bigger than what we think we can do, it shifts everything for us. And that's what the records, the, the, one of the books, the records have been helping me write. And then uh, my newest ebook, which is coming out in just a few weeks and is going to be on Kindle and all of those platforms, is Living in Balance for Boomers. And people can get information on that on my website. And it uses the four elements, air, earth, water, and fire, which correspond with body, mind, heart, and soul, as a life balance map to help us get balanced and stay balanced. And that, was, that comes from some of the coaching programs that I've taught and and teach both um, by phone and in person. So if people are interested in any of those things, they can check those out on my website or email me, and I'd be happy to call them and chat with them and see what their their interests are. And I do teach the Pathway Prayer Process, Linda Howe's process, uh, to access the Akashic Records. And I'm traveling now to do more of that. I'm doing a class in New Jersey, in fact, in November, and I teach here every other month or so in Los Angeles. And I'm also open to traveling to other parts of the country and world to teach. So if people are interested in that and in other areas, I'd be happy to consider traveling and being of service by helping them learn to work with their own records through this process if that appeals to them. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So is there anything else that you use the Akashic Records for that that you want to um to talk about before we got about the one other thing I've used it for just briefly is um for clearing chakra energy. 
I actually did a seminar for a group of dowsers here in Los Angeles, and we experimented with this. And this is something I'm using it for and teaching more. And not so much to um, uh, work on anything that's a problem, but just to open energy overall. And what we did was we doused the, the seven chakras to see which ones were sluggish and which ones weren't. Then open our records, each individual opened their records, and these were people who I taught to do that very quickly. And then I would lead a meditation to allow that Akashic energy, that divine light, to move through each of the chakras and just clear anything that's not on its high wavelength. Because anything that's not on the wavelength of that energy won't stick. It will it will evaporate, it will be repelled, it will you know, it's like a negative magnet. And so allowing that divine energy to move through the chakras and, move, and then move out each of them and kind of radiate out in all directions clears it amazingly well. So we then did that through all the chakras, closed our records, because in the pathway prayer process there's an opening and a closing, a little prayer like opening and closing the book, and then, and then doused again to see how things had shifted. And I know for me, my chakras that were really sluggish were wide open just after doing that. And it's very energizing. So that's another way that I've been using the Akashic energy in a more physical energy clearing kind of way. And, and the people who have done that work with me have also found it to be really uh, easy and delightful and another process they can use that can, can help on that physical energy healing level without a lot of effort. Excellent, excellent. One other way I've been using it actively lately. Great technique. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. So this feels complete, and I think I'll play music for the rest of the time. And so if anybody wants to get in touch with you, uh, yourlifeandsoul.com, right? Yes, and they can email me at barbara at yourlifeandsoul.com. Let me know that they have heard uh, this conversation and I'll be happy to get back in touch with them by email or phone and see how I can be of service. Excellent. Thank you so much for being here and sharing your deep, deep wisdom with us, Barbara. Well, thank you and thank you for doing the work that you do and helping spread that awareness and that openness to more and more people because that's really what the records are calling all of us to do right now and, and, Mm -hmm. and I appreciate that you're one of the um, as I think of the front runners in this process for us. So thank you so much. Thank you as well. And I hope that we can talk again sometime. Anytime you like. All righty then. I'm going to say goodbye to you and play some music and thank all the listeners for coming today to listen to this absolutely awesome speaker, Barbara Schiffman. <laughs> 